You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition answering all of your great questions. And we got plenty to answer. Uh, you guys always bring it. Here to help me do it, my dear pals. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. What's good? Everything's good. And then where, you know, Chiefs are the number one seed. We're rolling along. Perfect road record. Everything's going well. This podcast proudly supports waffles over pancakes. I, I don't know how things could get a whole lot better at this point in time. Right, Greg? This podcast does not support waffles over pancakes, but we don't need to get into the great debate that we all know that I have already won multiple times over now. Pancakes are superior. Let's talk about our future. Number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs, Pittsburgh Steelers, losing to the Bengals. It couldn't be my football team out Imagine. here. Imagine. Losing Imagine. To the Imagine being a contender for the one seed mm. and losing to the Bengals. Mm. Chiefs Cannot all but have relate. it wrapped up. We are we are wrapping up this season, getting ready for the playoffs. You guys have great questions. As always, let's get to them. All right, yeah, let's jump into the five-star review questions. If you like the show, uh, you like what's going on in the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, leave a five-star review if you'd like, and you leave a question, we answer it. Caleb McGinnis left a five-star review and asked about y- Yasir Durant. Will he be the... The swing tackle of the future for this team, assuming Mitchell Schwartz is done and Lucas Niang will come back after this year. And do the Chiefs go offensive tackle in round one? Uh, yeah, you know, I think Yasir Durant, I think he's a he's shown some promise. I mean, I don't think he's uh, a guy that you can't easily replace. I'm not trying to completely dunk on him. Uh, but I do like Yasir Durant. Uh, as a you know, as a depth piece, maybe along the interior of the offensive line is where he's best fitting. Uh, but he's got that versatility, and that's the thing about this this football team. You saw Andrew Wiley kick outside the right tackle. Um, they've they've thrown a lot of different guys, and they've moved a lot of different bodies, and that's something they really covet is versatility. You see, Durant. I think the most important thing you can say is he has value for this football team. And he will be on it in some capacity, I believe, in 2021. As far as offensive tackle in round one, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they went offensive lineman with some versatility like an Alex Leatherwood, who has some tackle versatility and can play along the interior. There's, a, there's just several guys like that, frankly. Uh, Akuzi writes in and, and asks a another Lucas Niang-related question in some capacity. With Lucas Niang coming back next year, what are the chances the Chiefs re-sign Kalecio Semeli? I don't think that they, that that's even necessarily predicated on Lucas Niang coming back. Like I think the Chiefs should extend a low money deal to Assimile again. I think they really liked what they got out of him for the limited amount of time that they had him. He's a tone setter up front. They definitely need guys like that across the offensive line. You know, we Colecio Assimile was 
pretty good to start the season. And after he went out, the Chiefs offensive line has just really struggled since then. Now, obviously, they, they haven't invested a ton in it. Coleccio Simile is not going to cost very much. He's injured all the time. I do think that you probably need another guy behind him that you're grooming for the future, but he's a great veteran presence to bring in there, a physical guy with great attitude that he brings to the front. I, I would love to just sign a Simile regardless of who they have coming back. There's a lot of draft questions today. Uh, Good. And, and some really fun questions as well. Bobo52. I've purchased the draft guide the past two years and loved every word. Thank you, Bobo. I would like a teaser. Who are the best offensive linemen available potentially at 32? Uh, in my opinion, we need to draft offensive line in the first and second unless there is a quality edge in the second. We need to protect Patrick Mahomes at all costs. If we had Green Bay's offensive line, think of the po possibilities. Merry Christmas, boys. Merry Christmas to you, Bobo, by the way. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you, Bobo, and thank you very much for getting the draft guide and reading it. You are one of the reasons that we get to keep doing this. So I will give you a teaser, not just because you bought the draft guide, but, you know, because you wrote in a five-star review, and we love to answer those questions. So five offensive linemen. I, here's five names that I would still expect at least three of them to be there at pick 32 come this time. Landon Dickerson, center out of Alabama. Unfortunately, he did just get hurt, and he's had injury issues in the past, but he had played 22 straight games. I don't know if he's still a lock for the first round now, but he's probably my favorite offensive lineman in the entire draft. Another center, Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma. I think those are kind of your two best interior guys. You're hoping you get a chance at one of them. You could look out at offensive tackle, maybe a guy that you could kick inside to guard at the next level. So you got Sam Cosme out of Texas. Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, both played left tackle in college. They could play tackle at the next level, but you might look to move them inside. And then finally, for our, this last guy, fifth guy, I'm going to say, Kent already mentioned him, but Alex Leatherwood, he's a guy that's played guard, he's played tackle. I think out of these five guys, at least three will be there when the Chiefs pick. It would be kind of up to them to figure out what they'd like there, what which one of those guys they like the best, they think is the best fit. I'm all aboard taking two offensive linemen in the top 100, but you can't forget to get some defensive end help. I think it's been pretty blatantly obvious that you're going to need some wide receiver help going forward as well. So like, it's going to be really hard to stuff the roster full of early draft picks on offensive line when you do need a help at a couple other positions. All right. APNerdSquad at gmail.com is another way you can reach out and ask questions on the show. Uh, Chris did that and said, hypothetically, if Chad Henney and Matt Moore retired this offseason, who in the draft or free agency would you hope for the Chiefs to target. Uh, P.S. Remember Bob Sativity two years ago? No. Good times. No, I don't. I blocked it. <laughs> Man. Listen, he coined Bob Sativity. He created fire and invented the wheel. The big renaissance man is a pioneer. The three contributions to humanity I have brought. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't give I mean, come on. You deserve more credit than that, Craig. Um, you know, I honestly, it's kind of getting to that point for me personally where I would like to see the Chiefs maybe go grab a young guy. Uh, you know, I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is perfect, but what I am saying is it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe try to find an asset to flip at the quarterback position now. Um, you know, one of the things that the Chiefs have really coveted early on with uh, with Mahomes is that you know quality sounding board for the youngster? But I mean, Mahomes is—I mean, he's 
possibly about to win his second MVP. I wouldn't hate to see like Jordan Tamu back in the mix in some capacity. Maybe it's just on the maybe it's just free agency, but I like I would love to see them maybe take a swing on it on a young guy uh, that they can kind of develop behind Mahomes. Maybe it's a little bit too early for that, uh, but I I mean personally that's something I would like to see. Uh, okay, Twitter time, and I just got to read this from our guy Soli. Should the Chiefs tank next season and then make Mahomes play with all backups on the road in the playoffs to prove he's as good as Aaron Rodgers? <laughs> well done, buddy. Uh, D Johnston twenty nine asked this question, but also Simu seven KJH three one seven two Chief Lutz Leighton Y forty four. Everybody, it's got it's on their mind. Should the Chiefs win this weekend, would you be in favor of them sitting week 17 completely or starting for a quarter or a half to keep them engaged? One hopefully mitigates rust, but the other allows rest, and you can't get injured if you don't play like Juan Thornhill last year. Yeah, don't play. Just don't play. Why risk somebody getting hurt? Patrick Mahomes playing, I know everybody wants him to play for the MVP and to rack up stats and all that. Man, he doesn't care about that. He wants to win another Super Bowl. He wants to establish his dominance over this league for the next decade long. And the way that you do that is by continually winning championships. Don't get him hurt in Week 17 in a game that doesn't mean anything. I know what everybody's going to say. Well, then they'll be rusty. They will. They'll, you know, two weeks off is going to, you know, do some stuff. Man, guys are getting two weeks off all the time right now for COVID reserve stuff. There's so many things that are going on. This team is beat up as it is, and you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Just give him a couple weeks off. Play the backups. Go in two weeks later, fresh, healthy and not having to worry about anybody getting hurt in week 17. Take the rest. I mean, there's there's never really been a situation where a team has not wanted a bye week in the regular season. I understand that you can point to some examples to where that may have been part of the reason it backfired on a team into the playoffs, but I would always point back and argue that if with the extra rest, the team came out after one extra week off from not playing one extra week, and that was enough to make them rusty enough to lose to an inferior team. Like they probably weren't that good to begin with. I think the chiefs have shown they play plenty good coming off of buys coming off of extra rest. Get those starters. Like let Patrick Mahomes not be hit for a week. Let Eric Fisher's back heal up for the love of God. Like, let these guys take an extra week off. It's not a big deal. So if they have it locked up, absolutely sit them. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe we get another Chase Daniel taking the Chargers to the very brink of their existence. Yeah, no, I think they absolutely need to rest key players. Um, just because, I mean, yeah, like Maddie said, Eric Fisher, you know, if if there was nothing to play for, I'm not, who knows if he actually plays against the Saints. I mean, it was it looked very close like he wasn't going to be playing. Give, give give these key players some opportunity to get rested up before a big stretch. You know, obviously, it's it's for all the marbles. Win and you continue, lose and your season's over. So get everybody fresh and, and don't let anything stupid happen. Uh, Joe Moore, our guy, give us some early my guys in the 2021 draft. Okay, take one each. Oh, no. One each. Oh. I've got so Look, many, though. Time out. Craig, it's not even Christmas. I know. The draft is in April. Mm-hmm. If we give everybody all of the My Guys now, 
Well, I wasn't going to give him all of our one. my guys. I was just going to give him approximately 12 of my guys. What That's if all. we just no. double the amount of my guys we have, so that way we're only giving them half now? Mm, I think that Uno. sounds like a pretty good idea. I've already one. talked about the linebacker that I was going to talk about. Go, go, listen to me talk about Monty Rice and another one. So I'm going to go with Avery Thomas, a uh, corner out of Michigan, a guy that I really like. He's a long player. He's a pretty good athlete. He opted out this season and they were frankly lost without him in that secondary he's played with Levert Hill already a guy that's already on the Chiefs I know they've got a little bit of a relationship he's definitely gonna know like the Chiefs certainly saw Ambry Thomas play in 2019 they're very familiar with the player because they scouted Levert Hill they knew what they were getting from him I would be very interested in adding him, maybe a day two guy. I think he's he just fits a lot of the things that Steve Spagnuolo wants to do, and he's been one of my favorite watches so far this season. Uh, one of my guys is Peyton Turner, the defensive end from Houston. You're going to be hearing his name a little bit more as the season goes on uh, because he is a prototypical Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. He's 6'6", 270. Um, and he's got an outstanding motor, motor gives outstanding effort, um, and it's surprisingly quality athletic profile. Um, really, just I mean, it, it, some very impressive uh, change of direction ability that you see from him. Um, and, and you know, he plays with a lot of power. He's kind of playing through tackle. He's not really a guy that's going to turn the corner all that often. But I think if you look at his body of work with you know, the length, the density, the effort, um, the physicality, um, sets a good edge, disciplined player, and good change of direction. There's still a lot to like about him. He's a rotational edge, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. So my first, my guy, I'm giving you guys a little bit of a sleeper. A lot of guys probably haven't heard of him, but uh, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback from Clemson. No, I, <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. So No, tell me more. We, I'm curious. We sat down with some – I sat down with some friends – you know, not even just Chiefs fans, but some friends. We tried to watch Christian Darisol play left tackle for Virginia Tech. Mm. Very, very good prospect. He really was. But after the third play, I said, huh, this guard standing next to Christian Darisol is very flexible. He just gets really low in his stance. And it wasn't a good or a bad comment. It was just saying that he was very flexible. Within five plays from that point, I think everybody on the call stopped watching Christian Darisol and started watching Lasitas Smith, the left guard Lecetis. for Virginia Tech. Because for every flaw that Christian Darisol might have as a player, you know, a little bit slow-footed, doesn't always play with as much power as you would like from a guy as raw strong as he is. He doesn't finish as many plays. Lasita Smith does all of that. There is not a single defender on the field that is safe from being driven to the ground if Lasita Smith is around. He's solid in pass protection. He's got very flat. I mean, he's very flexible. He can flip his hips coming out of a stance. They use him to pull a ton on their play action plays where he just pulls across line of scrimmage and sets up for pass protection on the opposite side. He works up to the second level well. He was a lot of fun. I really had a hard time focusing on anybody else on Virginia Tech's offense, which is saying something because they have a potential top 20 pick in the left tackle. They have a running back that's going to fight for a day two pick. Like They have a couple good offensive prospects. Lasita Smith, though, stole my heart and my eyes that day. I hope he declares. He, I don't even know if he's declared yet for the draft, but he is a ton of fun to watch. At some point in this process, we're going to visit an island, and it's going to be a really good island of an offensive lineman, but we'll get to that later on in the draft process. It's a very long island. Very long island. 
Barry. Um, <laughs> our our pal Zach Hicks was on that call with us, by the way. If and he does great work, so follow him. Uh, he does great work for the Colts. B Higgs fifty five with the Chiefs now almost guaranteed the one seed in bowl games picking up. Are we moving into AP draft guide season? Any games that Chiefs fans should watch for or specific players? Maddie, I want to give you an opportunity to just maybe pick one bowl game that Chiefs fans should be watching. Because Maddie, I don't know if you know this. This is a reason to follow him at Chief and Caroline on Twitter. Maybe the only reason. He will give you a list of prospects to watch for all these big games uh, throughout the year. This is one of his bits, and it's great. And uh, Maddie, one game that Chiefs fans should watch. One player they should watch this week. Just just pick one of those and just go with it. Well, first of all, it's been draft season since like November 1st. Second of <laughs> all, there's more than just my bowl player watch list reasons to follow me. I have some pretty spicy hot takes during the Chiefs games, and I give out really good PFF caliber grades to players. So, you know, you should follow me for those too. But if you have to watch only one bowl game as a Chiefs fan, I'd pick the Cheese it Bowl. Uh, it's going to be Oklahoma State versus Miami. Now, I don't know how many people are playing. I haven't looked completely into it yet, but you got a pair of defensive ends for Miami with Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips. Both of them are fighting to be top 50, top 75 type picks. I like Jalen Phillips a little bit more right now. He should be working against Tevin Jenkins, the right tackle for Oklahoma State, who's really good. He probably kicks inside at the next level, but he's got a ton of power, a ton of core strength, and he just he plays very nasty on the interior or on that offensive line for Oklahoma State. Then you have Tylen Wallace, the wide receiver I've often compared to Jeremy Macklin for Oklahoma State. You flip it over to the defensive side of ball again for Miami. Bubba Bolden, safety on the back end. You also have a safety for Oklahoma State, Colby Harvey Peel. Essentially, watch everybody in that game because it's going to be a lot of fun, and there's a couple players at positions that the Chiefs really do need. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will be back with more of your questions right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Continuing to answer your questions on Twitter, JT Penfield, when the Chiefs rest starters in Week 17, who are some backups or practice squad guys you'd like to see get some run uh, and to see if maybe they have a spot in 2021? That rhymed a little bit. Uh, Mine is DeAndre Baker. 
I want to see DeAndre Baker at corner. This is a really – I like the process of acquiring DeAndre Baker. I think that's a smart approach to doing business in the National Football League. The way that the Chiefs uh, have activated DeAndre Baker or, or not active activated him, they're going to have club control of him for three seasons after this year. So it behooves them for him to be a quality player – worthy of the round one pick that he was taking it. Uh, I would like to see DeAndre Baker just get some opportunities against NFL caliber players. So you kind of have an idea moving forward what you have. And, you know, this is just like, it's big for this team if he hits. It's massive for this team if he hits. It's like getting a free first round pick. If he is the guy that was worthy of being taken 30th overall in the National Football League. I didn't have him that high. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's a first round quality player keeps his head on straight and is under club control in Kansas City for three seasons yeah mine is a guy that's going to be on the roster uh unquestionably a guy that's probably a starter in 2021 but we all need to see more Willie Gay if only so that everybody can have more answers to all these questions that they've been asking repeatedly for going on 15 weeks now we all want to see him play and we all want to see him play a full game, get a better picture of his body of work. Now he's probably playing next to Ben Neiman. Not probably going to be the guy that everybody wants to see him playing next to. But a guy, but getting Willie Gay on the field, getting him more live reps is very important for this defense. We need to see more. We need to see him grow. Next year's the year where we're really banking on him stepping into a starting role making a big impact, the step he needs to take to get there maybe is something that he can learn and grow playing against the live NFL teams for a full game, not just rotational series, not just the base defense every once in a while sprinkled in, full series where he has to take on the full game plan for the entire game. That's what we all want to see. Mine's a pair of wide receivers, a gruesome twosome, if you will. So as the starting wide receivers sit down for that week 17 game, I would love to see McCole Hardman go out there in a full set of starter reps and show that he's a starting level wide receiver. I would like to see him be a wide receiver one or wide receiver two for a single week. See what happens. Can he play on all three levels of the field? Can he be more consistent? How's that going to look when he has to do that next year if they don't bring back another wide receiver? Secondly, I would love to see Jody Fortson come up and see if he could be our next Ricky Seals-Jones. Oh, my. Andrew Nagel. There seem to be signs of life in the defense this week. Is the defense finally getting into form, Craig? Yeah. I mean, this was the best defensive performance. And yes, they allowed 29 points. There's a lot of things that went into that. But this was arguably the best defensive performance of the year. The Chiefs held the Saints to 1 of 11 on third down. They really made Drew Brees uncomfortable behind a good offensive line. And they did a pretty good job taking away Alvin Kamara. These are the things that we've seen them throughout 2020 and even into 2019 that they it was their kryptonite. All season long, it's been their kryptonite. Teams that have committed to the run, committed to the quick pass, and have had good offensive lines have been able to take away everything that the Chiefs defense has wanted to do. That was not the case this week. There's reason for serious optimism of this defense because they did the things that they did against New Orleans. Now, 
They're probably not seeing another team like that until the Super Bowl. But then again, those are the teams that they're worried about in route to the Super Bowl. They can run with a lot of these other offenses. They've shown the ability to do so. There's obvious game-breaking players on other teams that the Chiefs could see in the Super Bowl. They could change some of this, but it's not a situation like the Saints, like the Packers, like some of these other teams that just want to commit to those sorts of play styles and they can really do damage to a Chiefs defense that can't stop them. The Chiefs defense was able to stop them for a lot of drives this week. It gives you hope. Cling to that and ride that through January. D Brown, 1668. When the Chiefs win against the Falcons this weekend and lock up the one seed, there is so much swagger in the building. I love it. All the everyone's just like, when this happens. If Travis Kelsey is still leading the league in receiving and hasn't broken the tight end yards record, what are the chances Andy plays him against the Chargers? I think there's zero percent. I think Travis Kelsey is one of the guys that is definitely going to get some of the earliest amount of time off. He's very vital to the offense and the way it functions. I also don't think Andy Reid cares whatsoever about the receiving yardage leader for the season or the all-time tight end receiving yard record. Maybe Kelsey does, but at the same time, I think he's matured enough to know that that actually doesn't matter to him either. He much more is concerned with winning the Super Bowl, getting extra rest for a guy who doesn't get injured often, but definitely deals with some nagging stuff throughout season after season or during the offseason. He probably wants the extra rest. I will say this, and I think I agree with Maddie overall. They did let Cream Hunt get 30 yards or whatever it was in the Mahomes game in week 17 right before the playoffs. I think it's a little different because it's Travis Kelsey. It's an uh, an older vet guy. Maybe just let him break it this maybe just let him break the tight end record this week. Let's just do 30 that. yards for a running back though is a little bit easier to manufacture than 30 yards Correct. for a tight end with a backup quarterback. Correct. I get. I agree. I'm just note. I'm just noting. Uh, Henry Barcheck asked a very important question. Probably the most important question we'll answer today. What is the best Christmas food? I I just eat everything at all times. I don't have dedicated Christmas food. So this is this is a Lame. bad question for me. I'm I'm smoking a duck for Christmas. So I'm going to go with smoked duck just because that's what I happen to be having for Christmas this year. I too am smoking a duck, but that is also not my choice. I'm with Craig here. I don't fully, I don't have a set Christmas food to me. Anything you eat for Christmas is like a full go all year round. So I don't really associate anything as a Christmas food. I will say during the months, the latter part of November and all of December, maybe even into January, I quite enjoy a glass of homemade custardy eggnog with a uh, hefty pour of some form of whiskey or bourbon into it. As these guys will note, I have been drinking them just about every podcast we have ever done for a month now. It is, uh, you know, I like to splurge a little bit. Yeah, they're kind of high calorie, but they taste absolutely delicious. And unlike Kent, I would have no desire to drink them in the middle of summer. I didn't say I have a desire to drink them in the summer. I just... Here's the deal. Hold on. We're going to take a break here for a second. Oh. Just, um, I'll get to mine in a second. Maddie said, I only drink eggnog when it's 52 degrees or colder out. And I was just like, why is that the distinction? Because he was trying to debate whether it was a Christmas food or not. I don't know why 52 degrees or less is the distinction. I don't know. 
I just thought that was weird. Anyways, I'll give you a little I'll give you a little glimpse into uh, the Swanson family Christmas. We have Swedish heritage and we make something called a tea ring. And it is basically a giant cinnamon roll wreath. It is this massive, beautiful cinnamon roll, and it is so good. Uh, we eat it on Christmas Eve every year. It's part of our kind of like we do like a Swedish kind of Christmas Eve with, and that's one of the focal points. So that to me is a Christmas food, and it's my favorite Christmas food. Rocket Chief eighty eight. When do we start blaming the poor offensive line play on the offensive line coach? We keep talking about the players. Do the Chiefs need to start looking in another direction here? All right, here's the deal. The Chiefs have not spent a, a ridiculous amount of money on the offensive line. In fact, the interior offensive line is one of the places that they try to skate by. Right now, the Chiefs are playing with the third option, fourth option at right tackle. Actually, it's the fourth option. Mitchell Schwartz, Lucas Niang, uh, Mike Remmers, and Andrew Wiley is now at right tackle. They are piecing this thing together with replacement-level players at a low cost. I am not going to blame Andy Heck for piecing this thing together. They have not given him a ton to work with right now, especially along the interior. I don't want to go out and blame Andy Heck for the piecemealing of the offensive line. Because honestly, for what they've done, I, I got to give them some credit for how they've been able to navigate this with guys like Yasir Durant for stretches. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to hear Andy Re or Andy Heck after the draft this year, if they draft an early cornerback, he's going to be giddier than Sam Madison was when they drafted Legereus Sneed. You guys remember Sam Madison just being like, oh, finally, I have a corner to work with that, you know, wasn't just trying to skate by. Andy Heck's going to go nuts if the Chiefs try and draft an early offensive line. Techno Brad asks, I know Honey Badger gave up the long touchdown, but the safeties seem to be playing better the last two or three weeks. Was there a scheme change or are they just functioning better as a unit? Unfortunately, the scheme change was benching Juan Thornhill in place of Legereus Sneed. Um, as Sneed has been playing a lot more, uh, they've been staying in their nickel on some of these later downs as well. And they haven't been going to their base on some of the downs where teams are going heavy because they trust Legereus Sneed in the box and in the slot. And frankly, that's allowed Tyron Matthew to move around a lot more. Dan Sorensen has been playing a little more deep. It just, it's managed to allow the Chiefs to play solidly up front, and it gives them another dynamic player there. Juan is still coming back from injury. It's not that hope is not lost for Juan Thornhill, but this season he has struggled to round into form. Maybe it's one of those things that get him to the offseason, get his head and his body right, and get him back for 2021, and hope that you get the Juan Thornhill of the past. Bearded Tech 87. You guys have mentioned in the past our scheme fits slightly smaller quicker offensive linemen would moving towards bigger mauler type linemen change our offense that much well i think you've already seen a little bit of the scheme adjustment to not be as dependent on smaller elite athleticism at the offensive line position i also want to say andy reed has never been a small offensive line guy he actually quite prefers really large bodies he just would prefer that they are elite movers or had in the past 
And when you had Alex Smith specifically, you had a lot of outside zone. You had a lot of screens. You had these guys getting into space a ton. Everything was predicated on getting these guys out into space onto the second level as quickly as possible and making plays. With Patrick Mahomes, the offense is obviously sifted away from that to be a little bit more pass heavy going a little bit better I think with some of these RPO looks the Chiefs are doing now is a lot more inside zone which requires not just athleticism at the offensive line position but these guys do have to be able to create some level of movement on combo blocks they do have to be able to hold their gap a little bit better that's meant that you need a little bit more patience out of running backs but if that's the case you got to have guys that block better so on and so forth so essentially to make it very short and sweet here Yes, I think getting bigger, stronger interior offensive linemen, especially, but across the offensive line as a whole, stronger guys that are a little bit better at the point of attack is becoming a little bit more of a priority than having elite athletes that get out into space better than everybody else in the NFL. I do think that fits a little bit better. It also allows the pocket to stay a little bit more clean most of the time, giving Patrick Mahomes more space to work with before he gets hit. I think that's just become the priority. You don't have to manufacture yards as much, so you don't need to focus on your offensive lineman's ability to get 20 yards down the field. You just need them to stop defenders from getting 10 yards behind them. Gabe Alejos asks, Say the Chiefs take an offensive lineman in round one. Which position do you think would be better value in the second round of the draft? Defensive end, safety, or wide receiver? I think you can throw safety out of that as much as I would like to have a safety. I think it's defensive end or wide receiver. I'm going to go defensive end just because I'm a little bit more familiar with the class. They're at the end of round two right now. There's a few guys I like. Rashad Weaver out of Pittsburgh is one of them. A guy that I think fits both Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo's requirements. Very long, very powerful, but also ridiculously smart and quick play ID. It's kind of a combination of like an Alex Okafor, Frank Clark type player and a Mike Dana type player as well as a guy that they could bring in, maybe has enough juice to rush off the edge and smart enough to play on base downs. I just think that that's kind of the sweet spot for a quote unquote Spagnolo in since he's not really able at pick 32, you know, they're at the bottom of the first round to get some of these elite juice guys that have all of that stuff that they want, you either kind of have to sacrifice some stuff. So they're at the end of round two. I think it's a sweet spot for his bag's edge. I'm going to saddle up and ride the fence on this one. To counter what Craig said, I think once you get to kind of 64 at the end of that second round, I think you not only, I mean, well, at the end of the first round, you're missing out on the elite athletes with good skills. You're not going to get a day one ready pass rusher with a good athletic profile at 32. You're either taking a project or you're taking a guy that's missing some level of the physical profile, and that's why they're available at 32. When you get to 64, You're missing a lot of those project guys, too. You're having to take a pretty big risk if you want that athletic profile on an injured player or a guy from a lower level of competition. Or like Craig said, you're drafting a guy that's a little bit less of a pass rusher, but got this length and power profile that Steve Spagnuolo and Brendan Daly seem to like. I'm hoping the Chiefs are looking for a pass rusher. I do think they miss a guy that is just a pure pass rusher right now, and I do think that would benefit the team a ton. I hope they see that, too. They always have it in the past, but at the same time, Steve Spagnuolo's always had two really good defensive ends, so maybe we can kind of meet in the middle there. And if that's the case, I just don't think you get that player at 64. 
you're not getting this, you know, three down good pass rushing defensive end at 64 that also is going to fit some of these measurements. So wide receiver, better player is going to be available. You're going to have a more technically refined with a better physical profile of a wide receiver available at 64. The catch 22 is you'll also have that same better profile with production at 96 at wide receiver as well. So you can get the wide receiver even later if you want to. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how the wide receiver class shakes out because there are some people that believe that a guy like Chris Olave could be there in the back end of the second round, which I think is crazy. Crazy. So if a guy like Chris Olave is there, like that's the like that there the potential for value is there. I think more at the wide receiver position personally for me. Chief Boy RDG asks it seemed like our defensive cornerstones are rounding into playoff form after a forgettable first half of the year like we've been asking for who is improved play has moved the needle for the defense the most Anthony Hitchens Frank Clark or Tyron Matthew as much as I'd like to continue my Anthony Hitchens love on this podcast and it does continue I gotta go with Tyron Matthew Tyron Matthew has been moved around a lot more since Legereus Need has come back, and you've seen the result. Like the the splash impact plays that you saw Tyron Matthew make last year that made him such a game changer in Steve Spagnuolo's defense are back, and they are drastic. They are making an impact repeatedly, multiple times a week. Now, you can look at this game and say, listen, Tyron Matthew got beat over the top on one of the plays. He was jumping a route that Drew Brees is going to throw 99 out of 100 times. He just happened to break tendency on that one, and then he dropped a pick in the end zone that he should have had. Tyron Matthew could have had two major, major plays there that would have been game-changing for this defense. As it stood, he only had a couple. He had a tackle for loss. He had a breakup. He played phenomenally still, and you're seeing the type of player that he was for the Chiefs last year. He is the heart and soul of that secondary, and he's making an impact every single week. They're going to catch some teams. like They're getting ready to play some quarterbacks that have struggled to take care of the ball. Tyron Matthew may have a few more picks left in him before this season ends. Jake49095071 asks, how good is this playoff Le'Veon Bell compensatory pick going to be, though? Uh, You know, it might. They might be able to get a compensatory pick out of Le'Veon Bell, but I don't think it's going to be all that much because the running back position is significantly... Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's not strong. I mean, it's, it's not going to be, you know, a high paying, you know, situation for Le'Veon Bell, but he might get a few three, $4 million. And if that's the case, he'll wind up on the compensatory formula. The chiefs might be able to get a sixth or a seventh round pick. Cause I don't think they're going to be able to sign a ton of free agents. They're going to lose some guys. And there are guys, there's some guys that could potentially hit the, uh, the compensatory formula as well. Um, Le'Veon Bell will probably be one of them. And I bet you, if he does, it's going to be like a seventh or a sixth. All right, final question, very important. B. Jones, KC, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? I mean, this depends on what type of duck we're talking about here. Because, I mean, like a horse-sized duck is big, but if you're talking like your run-of-the-mill mallard or like a pecan or a cayuga, like, you know, that it, it is what it is. It's big, it's kind of scary, but, like, that's no big deal. Now, you want to put a Muscovy out there the size of a horse? Those things are mean, man. They hiss at you. They don't run away. They fight back when they have to. They have like an extra toe claw. Those things are sharp. Normal duck-sized ones have scraped me up numerous times, so I don't want to touch a horse-sized one. 
So it just really depends on what type of duck we're going with. Whereas a horse or a duck sized horse, I'm like, what's it going to do? It's going to kick me. It's going to be like my child flicking my ankle, like a hundred little flicks. I can handle that. Give me the hundred duck sized horses all day long. And you know, this, this question, I actually fed B Jones, Casey, a little money. Cause this is going to segue into Maddie and I's new podcast, duck talk, where we just talk about his <laughs> ducks. You heard the man listen to the, I, I have been maintaining for a year now farmer maddie over here is the true renaissance man he knows all of this stuff he has experience with all of this stuff so i'm going to believe him and go with the one horse size muscovy duck because he said so and he knows better because he knows all of these things maddie real quick question uh do you think you could take a hundred ducks I mean, like, how le- like are the ducks out to get me, or are they just out to do their life? Because, like, if I can just throw down some food, then, like, yeah, I can take them. They're distracted. But if they're I think- trying to eliminate me, man, depends on the type of duck again. They have some claws. <laughs> this, I'm just fascinated. I think I go with the horse-sized duck. Man, you guys are done. I mean, you guys are both toast if you're fighting a Muscovy that's the size of a horse. I, if it's a Muscovy, then uh, I must go. It's gonna Dude. it's gonna velociraptor oh, you no. with its toe talon. You guys are done. I didn't even hear that. All right, that's going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with the game proof preview later this week. Catch you later. hate this podcast more to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.